button and we are recording with dr james or jim thorpe on sunday december 18th 2022 at 4 32 p.m eastern time episode 1033 and uh my uh, a fellow blanket aficionado as uh, he has his as well. It is the only way to do podcasts is with, is with a blanket just below screen. It's it's you got the professional up top and then I got slippers and a fuzzy blanket below. It's the only way I go about this. I know what I'm doing. Maybe I don't know what I'm doing, but this is how I do it. But Dr. Thorpe, we were just chatting beforehand and you said that you've got a, a little story to tell me. But before that, could you please introduce yourself to my audience? My pleasure. And first of all, Tom, thank you. Thank you for having me on your incredible platform. Yes, I've sir. done my homework and reviewed your uh, your platform and uh, your contacts, and uh, you're doing an amazing job. Uh, and I'm so honored to be on your platform. Thank you. Thank you. My name is uh, Dr. Jim Thorpe. And um, what am I doing here? Well, my raison d'etre, the reason why God created me, was to be here for this moment. I'm 69 years old. And I am a high-risk board-certified OBGYN physician. I'm also board-certified in maternal fetal medicine. I've been doing this for over 43 years. I am extremely busy clinician my entire career. I've never had an academic position where I have two to three days off a week doing writing or research but I've been massively prolific doing clinical research all on my own after our time. I've never taken a dollar from anybody from the pharmaceutical industry or anybody else uh, to pervert my research. It's my own research. I've always published what I want. I've always been independent of the powers that dictate young investigators and young clinical researchers and young physicians. Um, I, I, I find it a bit uncomfortable um, reviewing what I've done because I don't want to come across the wrong way. Sure. Um, I, I pray for humility in God. It is important for me to at least tell your viewers what I have done so they can have some credibility and know who I am. So um, in, a, in a very young life, I was started off on this course. My mother was a labor and delivery nurse, my hero in life was Ignaz Philip Semmelweis. And um, Tom, you're probably too young to know him, but he's my hero in life. And uh, he uh, came up in the mid 1900s with a major problem in pregnancy disasters that has scarred our specialty. Um, but um, from there, you know, I've done this my whole life. I've been focused on um, my fetus uh, in the womb as a patient, my high risk pregnancy, uh, women of reproductive age, uh, preborn babies and newborns, those are my patients. Uh, and I will die for them. I will protect them. This is my raison d'etre. This is why God created me. And, um, you know, I've served in a capacity uh, of like very few have. Uh, I, I see a massive amount of patients. I'm very uh, prolific in my own research. Uh, I've served um, for the American Board of Obstetrics and Gynecology, if you can believe that, if you can believe that, as a re as a as a reviewer and examiner for at least a year, um, I've served 
uh, as a board of directors in the, uh, the main high-risk OB society in the world. That's a Society for Maternal Fetal Medicine, SMFM. Yes, I was part of that. And I've also served in the American College of OBGYN. I've served them all uh, in a very distinguished professional capacity, and I've been respected uh, by all these institutions my entire career. Uh, I was asked by uh, President Bush uh, and his administration to testify as an expert witness in 2003, uh, and they asked me to testify uh, because of my expertise in treating the fetus as a patient. Closed fetal surgeries uh, was what my gig was uh, at the turn of the century uh, before and, and after. <clears throat> Did a lot of them. Testified uh, as an expert based upon my expertise in that area. Um, took down um, President Bush uh, using part of that uh, platform, uh, took down the partial birth abortion. Um, unfortunately, that was resurrected with President Obama. Um, just recently, I have uh, was asked to uh, be with uh, Senator Ron Johnson, also in the U.S. Senate last week. Um, actually, three days, the, the, the fifth, sixth, and seventh, I spent with uh, Senator Ron Johnson and some of the other colleagues. I published, uh, you know, over 200 in my career, but, but just in the last two years, I've, I have over 20 publications all, all the while in the last three and a half years or so seeing almost 24,000 patients. I know that because I just had to re-up my privileges and my <clears throat> certifications, my, um, my privileges at the hospitals. I am employed by a large uh, Catholic hospital system up in the Midwest. I won't mention their names because uh, while they love me and I love them and I serve them well, uh, I don't, uh, I doubt seriously whether I um, share, they share my views. So out of respect, I won't mention them. I live in Florida. I do all my uh, doctoring by telemedicine. I serve everybody in the world that calls me, everybody in this country that calls me. I, uh, outside, the only payment I get is from my employer, but I, 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 everybody that calls me, I take care of pro bono. I don't take a dime from them. Uh, because God has blessed me greatly, and uh, I don't need money. I, I need God and God's grace and God's provision. I don't need man's. So um, basically, that's who I am, and that's why I'm fighting this fight. And I'm I'm so honored to be on your program, Tom. Thank you. Thank you, sir. That is uh, a a quite impressive impressive resume. Um, I have a. Uh... I have nothing to compare to that. So instead, I'll just kind of wing it from here. But when we were just chatting before this, and it's something that I've warmed up to more and more is um, the expansion of of my consciousness of, of what is going on in the world. Now, obviously, as you get older, you 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 learn uh, kind of the, the basic truisms of life. You realize that uh, life isn't fair. As you get older, you realize that money is the root of all evil. And then you get on and, uh, you know, politicians always be corrupt and empires will rise and fall. And you kind of get a more zoomed out grasp of reality. But what I really can't shake, especially after doing over a thousand episodes, several hundred with doctors from you to Dr. McCullough to Dr. Malone to Dr. Bargava and Hodkinson and Hatfield and Alabama and on and on and on, is that what we're seeing now really does seem to be more on the spiritual plane it seems to be 
not national, not religious, but rather pro-human versus anti-human forces. I don't, I don't know enough to define what the anti-human forces are, but I do have a functioning brain, and it, that does seem to be the the layout of the battlefield. You know, if you see two armies battling, you look at them, and you go, "Well, that's France and that's Britain, and they're using muskets." Okay. Sure, you use your eyes and your ears, and you know that seems to be what's going on. The only conclusion I can draw right now is that there is a deeply spiritual fight going on. It manifests as as weapons shipments. It manifests as uh, mandatory vaccines. It manifests as censorship, as uh, the dissolution of the nuclear family, uh, the dissolution of the construct of 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 uh, of the sacredness of children. The love is love, the the normalization of pedophilia, that manifests as multiple different things, but I mean there are equal and opposite reactions. You can have two atoms bumping into each other, or two cars bumping into each other, or two planets bumping. It's still, it's still the laws of physics. There's still an elastic or non-elastic collision. It's still what goes up must come down. It plays out in a multitude of ways. So, at first. At first glance, it seems like there's just a lot of unconnected, disparate events going on in the world. But the more you stare them down, the more you break them down, and the more you reflect on them, there does seem to be a, if I had to put it in a thesis statement, there are pro-human loving forces, and there are anti-human, hateful and self-hateful forces and that's about as deep as my thesis goes for the grand design of humanity right now it's a it's a it's a it's more than i can more than i can uh chew but i've bitten it off could you elaborate on your own experiences and whether or not that goes along with my ideas or challenges them i'd like to hear them nonetheless well uh, unfortunately i can't challenge you uh, in fact, what what I can do, because you know, I focus my whole life on uh, medicine. Uh, it's not totally true. Uh, uh, my whole professional career, I, I but I was a young athlete, and uh, when I was healthy, and I'm also I've always been. My mother imparted upon me uh, the love for the Lord and the Scripture. So I've been I've studied the Bible most all my life, and and that's why I can make the statements that I made to you, the personal statements before you turn down the record button that I won't necessarily repeat here, but that's why I know what I know about you, Tom, and everything that you beautifully, eloquently verbalized is straight out of the Bible. It's straight out of the Bible. Um, we're living in the end times. The, listen, there's more prophecy about the time that we live in right now than the time when Jesus first came. You yeah. know, there was probably uh, over 400 specific prophecies from the Old Testament that were fulfilled for the first coming of Christ. Uh, guess what? There's eight times that number of prophecies fulfilled for the second coming and for this uh, tribulation period that we're about ready to enter 
So everything that you said is absolutely spot on. It's, uh, it's, it's biblically accurate. It's historically accurate. Let me just put some things into perspective, if I will. Do you know what the Feast of Purim is? No, sir. Okay, so Purim, um, do you, um, the book of Esther, have, have you, do you remember the book of Esther in the Old Testament? No, sir. Okay, well, I'll just give you a background because it's very relevant here. So uh, long about uh, 550 uh, BC, uh, when the Jews were in exile, um, God punished them for not following his ordinances that he laid out to them. So he let them be plundered uh, and severely punished. And Nebuchadnezzar took them over to back to Babylon and, and they prospered in Babylon, they did well. But there were some evil forces in Babylon. It's the same force you're talking about. It's the same force. And they not only wanna, they, they wanna kill and eliminate Jews because they believe, uh, the enemy believes, Satan believes that if he can kill every Jew in the world, guess what? They're gonna invalidate God and invalidate God's prophecies and God's promises. And if they invalidate God's promises, he's not a God, he's a fake. Hmm. So that's, that's, that's why Haman tried to kill all the Jews in Babylon. Um, unfortunately, uh, a gentleman by the name of Mordecai and the Jews are celebrating Purim right now. And that's why I honor my Jewish brothers and sisters with, with this story because they're celebrating every single year they do the Feast of Purim, which is a celebration of exactly what I'm speaking of. Haman tried to kill every single Jew on the planet that was in, they were only confined to his country at the time, uh, modern day Iran called Babylon back then, or Elam. And so uh, God has always protected his people. His people are the Jews. Um, so, Haman was an evil, uh, uh, evil, evil person, and he devised a plan to go behind Nebuchad King Nebuchadnezzar's back to exterminate all the Jews. Um, and there was a young, beautiful, beautiful woman. Her name was Esther, and Esther didn't have any parents. Her parents, I, I, I don't know what happened to them. I don't know that backstory, but um, she was raised by her uncle Mordecai, who was a very godly man. And um, Mordecai found out that Haman was going to kill all the Jews in Babylon. And he knew that his beautiful, be gorgeous, strikingly gorgeous uh, niece had a connection uh, with the king because the king loved her uh, you know, for her beauty. Uh, but she wasn't allowed to approach the king. If somebody approached the king, they could be killed. But Mordecai said, you need to go talk to the king. You need to tell him what Haman is planning. And if you don't, and, and you know, uh, she said, beautiful young girl, you, you know, she said, I, I can't do that. I'll be executed. And her uncle said to her, Esther, you were born for a time such as this. What did I tell you before the show started? You too, Tom, were born for a time such as this. So was Jim Thorpe. So was Peter McCullough. So were all of us. We were born for this time and God is using you and God is using Peter McCullough and God is using uh, Urso and the whole gang uh, 
Pierre Corey and he's using Steve Kirsch. He's using people that don't even know him. It's, it's amazing. So anyways, make a long story short, what happened was that King Nebuchadnezzar received uh, Esther and said, okay, I, I did not know this about Haman. He became extremely angry and all the gallows that Haman built um, were not used on the Jews. They were used on Haman and his gang. They were all killed. Let's fast forward 2,500 2500, uh, years, maybe 3,000 years to Hitler. Mm -hmm. Not in the 1930s in Germany, um, what he did was horrible. Hitler and Haman both tried to exterminate all the Jews. And remember, the Jews are God's chosen people. The only reason why you and I have blessing and favor with God is because of the Jews. So uh, count your blessings there. So what I want to make is a bombastic statement right now, and it might draw some ire of your listeners, but I stand by it. What is being done right now by the FDA, the CDC, remember I served for the American Board of mm -hmm. Aesthetics and Gynecology, and I served with the American College of OBGYN, and I served with the Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine. They're all corrupted to the core. These people have the spirit of Haman, a satanic indwelling, and they are performing the most egregious, outrageous, horrible, ethical disaster in the history of humanity. CDC, FDA, American Board of OBGYN, Society of Maternal Fetal Medicine, American College of OBGYN, and the rest of those clowns, Klaus Schwab. I could go on and on and on. Fauci, our current administration, the rest of them, they make Haman and Hitler look like altar boys. Oh, yeah. I want to state that again, just for your viewers. The current egregious mass murder and injury of my patients worldwide with an experimental gene therapy is the most egregious violation of medical ethics in human history. And it makes Haman and Hitler look like altar boys. Now you will say, Jim, that's BS. I, I don't buy you. I don't buy that. Explain yourself. All right, I will. Let's be un understanding that Haman and, and tried to kill all the Jews in just one part of the world at that time. It was a relatively the country of Iran. Sure. Modern day Iran. That was horrible, but it wasn't global. It wasn't innocent people all over the world. Hitler tried to do the same thing, but that was just in Germany or say, you might say, well, Germany and Europe. Okay, throw Europe in there. Those were confined geographic locations, and they were using uh, only the second or the third generation warfare, probably the second or the third. What these people are doing right now, I stand by, uh, I vouch for the veracity of the statement I made. It makes Haman and Hitler look like altar boys. What they're doing now is so evil, not only because of the global scope, remember 13 plus billion 
poison shots in 5.4 billion people around the world. So number one, the limited scope, global scope of the killing that Heyman tried to do and Hitler tried to do, it was very limited, it wasn't worldwide. But here's the most important thing that's I think even more important, Tom. They were only using you know, first or second generation warfare. Mm -hmm. Okay, everybody in the world knew that they were bad people. They were bad, evil people, okay? Haman and Hitler are satanic and they're burning in hell as we speak. These people, the, my, the victims are my patients, women of reproductive age, pregnant women, preborn babies, newborn babies, all over the world are being killed and injured by this evil experimental genetic therapy that's never been tested, never been tested and cleared for pregnancy. They're doing it covertly. The victims don't know it. This is fifth generation warfare. This is warfare of information. It's far more deadly than Haman or Hitler. People, look at people don't even know they're being killed. People are dropping dead like flies all over the world. Look at what happened in Qatar, Tom. God puts it in plain sight of everyone in the whole world. Are you stupid enough that you can't see what God is telling you? Three sportscasters for the World Cup drop dead right in front of you and you can't connect the dots. Almost 100 physicians, young, healthy physicians, have been murdered by the killer, Justin Trudeau. And nobody connects the dots. I'm a huge hockey fan. I, I, I played hockey. You know, I'm a Michigander. And I, I was just, I lived and breathed hockey my you know, first 20 years of my life. Well, my whole life, I can't play anymore. But, um, you know, this 18-year-old kid from Ontario who's just uh, dead as a hockey player, 18 years old. And, um, you know, I, I posted that on, uh, on my channel on Twitter. And, and I'm, I'm just so angry because I was an 18 year old kid. I was in that kid's shoes. I would have done anything in the world to play on that traveling team that he played on. The only reason he could play on that traveling team was that the killer Trudeau made him get that shot. Do I know he took the shot? You know, I don't have proof, but I'm 100%, 99% certain that he took the shot. He couldn't have played for that traveling team without the shot. I know what Justin Trudeau is doing up there, and I know the people and my patients he's killing. And that kid took the shot, not because he wanted to, but so he could play for hockey, just like I would have done. And that boy is dead. He probably would have been another Wayne Gretzky, and he's dead. And, P and this is, there were 61,000 millennials, your age, Tom, 61,000, according to Edward Dowd in the insurance industry, who died unexplained, died suddenly last year. Not in 12 months of last year, just in the last seven months of last year. Let that sink in, Tom. When I was your age, I was draft bait. <clears throat> younger than you actually in, in, in college. 
in the 70s, I was uh, late 60s, 70s, I was uh, going to get drafted for Vietnam. You know, it took 10 years for the Vietnam War to kill 58,500 of my contemporaries. This vaccine took out 61,000 young, beautiful children of God like you last year, and nobody knows it and nobody is talking about it. And all these ne'er-do-wells are still parroting safe, effective, and necessary. There are, the only thing I can think of <clears throat> when I think about the things they are parroting, how they're conveying it, not just through coercion of, again, childhood loves for sports, but across the world is I've interviewed several times uh Basil Baz. It's a great name. He's a late 60s, early 70s former CIA operator, Ground Branch, which is uh I always talk about this. CIA Ground Branch recruits from Delta Force and SEAL Team Six. They're uh, they're the Olympic team that you don't know about. He was in there for uh, decades. And we got out, he he started ARC, the Association for the Recovery of Children. Baz is a real-life James Bond who goes around the country freeing children trafficked into sex crimes, truly is doing God's work. And one thing he always talks about is it's so, he says that a lot of the world is, is there's gray areas, even in warfare, that it's gray areas, and that's unfortunate. He said with what he does, it's 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 one of the only things on the planet that's black and white. He goes, you can tell when someone is is mentally unwell. I mean, truly unwell. That's someone that exposes themselves to children in public who defecates on the street, who doesn't have a home. And when you approach them, they're not, they're not there. No one's home. And that's unfortunate. When you find someone that covers all of their tracks, when they dissolve the body of a girl or when they bury a boy in the woods, these are people that cover their tracks and because they know what they're doing is evil. They're not criminally insane. They know what they're doing is evil. There is always evil, Haman, Hitler, but that's something that you can identify and you can fight. You can you can look at them through the bombing reticle of the, of the, the B-29. You can go storm the beaches and grab your, your, your bar, your Thompson, and go scalp some Nazis. It's hiding, this is hiding behind, this is hiding behind Disney characters. It's hiding behind Sesame Street characters. It's coercing kids. Do you want to play the sport you love? I played basketball in middle school. You couldn't have divorced me from basketball with a shotgun. I loved it. In high school, it was weightlifting. In college, it was studying organic chemistry. Now it's podcasting. They are hiding behind, do you want to visit grandma and grandpa? Do you want to go be able to travel? Do you want to go to the movies? Do you take your your old your old dad out to movies every summer? One of my friends always does that. That's how, that's their bonding. They are taking the most simple and pure, the most innocent and, and cherished aspects of this life, and they're hiding behind that. Some of it's just cringy, you know, when they make rap songs about it. Some of it's just you know, hiding behind a donut or a $100 gift card. But it's the coercion. 
that and let's not even do hockey what about young men my age who want to go serve their country and they can't do it unless they take this shot this isn't this isn't someone with a uniform that at the very least has the balls to siege your town and you can defend your town this is i mean it harkens john f kennedy's speech about secrecy and you know the very word secrecy is repugnant we face guerrilla armies by night instead of uh or guerrilla warriors by night instead of marching armies by day their, their tactics are coercion and and surreptitious and not open and publicized that's at the very core is what this is is not only is it beyond evil it is the furthest thing from from masculine from at least calling someone out you know if someone has a critic for me i at least like when they use an account with their name and they say tommy i think you know i think you suck and you know what okay but i'm an adult i got thick skin that's fine they are hiding behind literal literally hiding behind sesame street hiding behind marvel characters and then for the more entrenched they're hiding behind admission to medical school or law school or for the patriotic, you wanna you wanna go serve your country. Well, first you gotta take this. You wanna go see grandma? You gotta take this. You're seeing it with athletes dropping dead on the field. It is the greatest evil perpetrated across the largest landmass, the entire earth. They have the most possible people in their reticle. It's not even their own country, and it's some dictator. And they don't even have the backbone to be a marching army to march under a flag it is shadowy it is it is puppeting and they squirm and scour they gaslight they censor it not only is it the most evil thing it's also the weakest thing it is it's not even scary it truly is lacking backbone, lacking anything. They can't even put a face on it. They can't say, you know, it's the antithesis of John Hancock. I want him to know my name. It's hiding behind Elmo. And they're attacking pregnant women, pregnant women with, with fetuses, the old. They're attacked. They're not, they're not hiding behind propaganda for we got to go beat Hitler. They're hiding behind, don't you love grandma? You couldn't, the most skilled fiction writer couldn't write a more evil group of people. And that's, that's what this is. But the first step in fighting it is identifying it. And then once you successfully identify it, they censor you and they kick you off YouTube. But that still serves to identify them. Why would they do that? If it was not a problem, why would they do that? Mm -hmm. And like a vaccination there is some poetic symbolism in all of this if it's not a hundred percent sterilizing you drive variants that are very resilient think of like uh mers right you know you got to use multiple different cleaners with multiple different methods of attack otherwise you create these hyper resistant bugs well they didn't kill me and so now they have me who i was just interviewing authors i was talking about UFOs and Delta Force and missiles. And now they have me, someone with clinical OCD, 
on a vendetta to interview every physician on the planet to bring this to light. And the more they censor me and push me out, the more virulent I am becoming. And I don't, I don't care because I know what I'm doing is right. So they don't even have the fear of death anymore of, are you going to shut up? I don't care. I'm fine. I know I'm walking with God. It's all good. Kill me. Get me at, I was suicidal for several years. Hey, if you kill me, you're, you're doing what I couldn't have done anyway. And uh, I'm going to go be with my grandpa and grandma and brother and dog. You got nothing on me. You don't, I don't care. And I don't really know where I'm going with this. And I don't think there's a question in there. So I'm just going to hand it back over to you. <laughs> I know where you're going with this. All right. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the most high will rest in the shadow of the almighty. Amen. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely he will save me from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover me with his feathers and under his wings I will find refuge. His faithfulness will be my shield and my rampart. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the deadly pestilence that stalks the darkness, nor the plague that destroys at midday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand but it will not come near you. You will only watch with your eyes and observe the punishment of the wicked. For if you make the most high your dwelling, even the Lord who is my refuge, then no harm will befall you and no destruction will come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all their ways. They will lift you up into their arms so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread upon the lion and cobra. You will trample the great lion and serpent. Because Tom loves me, says the Lord, I will rescue him. I will protect him, for he acknowledges my name. When Tom calls my name, I will answer him. When he is in trouble, I will be with him. I will deliver him, and I will honor Tom. That's where you're going. I didn't know that's where I was going, but now I do. Thank you, sir. It's <laughs> uh, it's it's it was amazing, um, eloquent uh, words that you shared with us, and it, it couldn't be more true. Um, it's uh, I've lost so many friends uh, from this divisiveness, so many colleagues, uh, so many family members. You know, two of my own flesh and blood daughters who I love. Uh, you know totally just lose relationship because I'm censored, because I am a fool. I had swear words, curse words, every F variant uh, launched at me for the positions that I take on choosing to interpret the data that I choose to interpret that I've done my whole life. And that's why I've lost all of this relationship because I don't follow the group think, the fallacious group think. It's one of my, one of what the important precepts of Ignaz Philip Semmelweis, the Hungarian Jew, you know, from the mid 19th century taught me. And I look forward to meeting him. It's the number of people that. I would say probably well uh, north of 95% of people I know and love 
excluding family, have stopped talking to me. Not because, not because I think you should do X or Y, but I think that people should have the choice. I think that if you're an adult and you read the data and you listen to you and I talk and you go, you know what? I still want to get the shot. God bless you. Not my two cents. I've never done cocaine. I know a lot of people that have, and they say it's a great time. I'm sure it is. It's just not for me. I have friends that I enjoy some beer every once in a while. They don't enjoy it. They don't try to stop me from it, and I don't try to make them. That is what has made me even more hardened in my stance, is all I want is for people to at least know and to at least have the choice. And all I really want is to live and let live. But you can't do that when they want you under their dominion. It is it is not just an American ideal. It is a deeply human ideal to be free. It's what everyone yearns for. And I can't, I truly can't wrap my head around people that not just desire, but froth at the mouth and will do anything for power over another. It does not seem... I'm at a loss. For, I'm a scientifically-minded guy, but I really don't have anything else to categorize it other than, than evil, other than inhuman, to want dominion, dominion on, over others is deeply inhuman. And I ultimately can only conclude that you know, if you have a if you have a if you have a product that's good, nice snazzy glossy phone, you don't need to mandate it. You, you'll go for it. You'll go. I like this one. This one's better. It's the free market, baby. I'm on an iMac. Why? Nobody made me. Nobody put a gun in my head. I took my hard-earned dollars and bought one because it's glossy. It's fast. It never has a hiccup, and it does podcast after podcast without even overheating. When you have to mandate something through censorship, through fines through robbing people of playing sports or visiting grandma. Well, like what Baz said with the pedophiles, they know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. And that's pure evil. And it truly is all it takes for evil. All it takes for evil to succeed is for good men to do nothing. You might not like that conclusion because, well, that means I have to do something. Hey, I'm with you. It'd be so much better if we didn't have this fight. Do you know how much do you know how much more successful this podcast would be if I wasn't banned from YouTube and iTunes? <laughs> do you know how many more subscribers I'd have? Do you know how many more friends I'd have? I'm with you. I don't want to answer the call. Call's not fun. When the alarm goes off in the morning and I got to get up and go to the gym, I never wake up and I go, I want to go to the gym. I sit there and rub my temples and go, oh. I just, I don't want to get out of bed, but I get out of bed and I go answer the call and I fight the good fight. You have to do something. And how lucky are we that it's not the battle that our grandfathers fought, that you're not pulling up on Omaha beach and, and sprinting in between German machine gun fire. What is our fight? You got to post a link on Twitter. You got to do a, what is our fight right now? We're both sitting in leather with blankets our, our our fight is comical think of how easy this fight is and there is a beauty and when you are fighting an evil that is as weak as the one we're fighting hey it goes both ways baby our fight's pretty relaxing too we're not 
We're not we're not going, we're not doing the island hopping campaign between Okinawa and Iwo Jima. We gotta turn on a camera. And oh God forbid, we gotta talk about the truth and examine data. What an easy fight. I mean, could it be easier? You were you 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 said you were drafted. My uncle, rest in peace, died several years ago. He was drafted. Vietnam. I'm not I'm not drafted. I'm not going through through rice paddies and having my friends pulled apart. Oh no, you mean I got banned from YouTube and now I have to upload to Rumble? Whatever will I do? Oh god. <laughs> How can I have how can I have the gall to say, God, why have you given me this battle? Yeah, I'm kind of looking at God. I'm like, hey, appreciate it. <laughs> I appreciate this is my battle. Oh no. Hey, you know that guy you haven't talked to in 12 years? Yeah, he he's not gonna want to talk to you anymore because you're talking about vaccine injuries. Oh shucks. Normally you lose a limb in an IED or napalm burns you to death. Hey, uh, that girl you're flirting with, she thinks you're an anti-vaxxer. Oh, oh no. That's my that's my memorial wall of names is that these are the people I've lost. Did they die? No, they stopped liking my page. <laughs> How easy could our fight be? How easy could it? I mean, seriously, leather chair, blanket. Slipper. I mean, I mean, come on. Right, where, where's the sling? Where's my what, Tom? Are you and Dr. Thorpe? You guys got M16. Are you are you wading through shit up to your neck? Uh, no, actually, I've got the heater on 70 and. uh and I've, and I've got a water bottle right here. Amen, brother. That's the fight? Dude, tell me, tell me, what are your reasons for not fighting? What in God's name? Leather. I, I mean, come on. How, how easy could this thing be? That's... Oh, that's the other, yeah. So it's like not only is it a good fight, it's the easiest fight there is. We've got Elon Musk on our side now. We've got the we've got Iron Man is on our side now. He just bought Twitter. We got Twitter. We captured you know we captured Berlin. We captured Twitter. Let the memes flow. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Your thoughts, Doctor Thorpe. Well, I, that's brilliant. I love it. It's um, uh, it, as it says in the good book and Proverbs, I believe, or maybe it's Ecclesiastes, uh, some humor is extraordinarily good medicine for the soul, the bones. So yeah, I, um, you're right, Elon Musk. And, and I want to just on, was it Thursday or Friday? Uh, Elon Musk is doing some huge things. Um, and and I, I don't know where I stand on him ultimately, but mm -hmm. for the time being, he's doing some great things. I, I want to put a shout out to Nick Stomphauser and oh, yeah. um, Matt Skoll. Yeah. You know, as you know, they are the producers of Died Suddenly, uh, Died Suddenly at Died Suddenly uh, underscore. And, you know, uh, I, I, I think that's probably the most important documentary that's ever been filmed. And, and actually not just because I'm in it, uh, that was probably not the strongest part of, of the movie. I, th I think the strongest part of the, the documentary was the massive number of morticians yeah. and embalmers from geographically diverse areas of the world saying the exact same thing. Anybody can blow off a physician uh, or a couple of physicians, but you can't blow off the combined 
centuries of experience of all those embalmers that spoke. But I, one of the things that I did question, and if I had a question like, okay, why, why is it, Tom, that Nick and Matt brought in the JFK thing? What? It's just a distraction. Why, why bring that in? Those are the thoughts. I never, I've never vocalized that publicly um, because I, I didn't want to question because they're strong followers of Christ. And I knew that the Holy Spirit did that for a reason. Well, I found out what that reason was. Okay. Look at, look at what Tucker Carlson said. Was it Thursday night on his show? Look at what he said. Okay. And this was not Elon Musk dropping the Twitter files. This is the United States government of America that has covered up the murder of my president, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, mm -hmm. 60 years ago. My childhood hero ripped him away from me, having to be taken home from St. John's Elementary School in Ypsilanti, Michigan, crying, boohooing my eyes out because my president was murdered. But those files slowly, uh, you know, they let some more files out and it, they dropped on Friday. Well, I, I think that uh, Councilor Robert Fitzgerald Kennedy Jr., RFK Jr. with the Children's Health Defense, I looked at his tweet, was it Thursday or Friday? And I thought, oh my God, you know, he is right. Um, he said the most courageous journalism in 60 years finally proved that my uncle was murdered by a coup d'etat mm -hmm. by the CIA, finally. And they didn't even drop the last 20%, but that's in essence what they told us. So wait a minute. Now all of a sudden it makes sense why the Holy Spirit would direct Matt and Nick to include that. Why? Because they were the first people, the CIA, those horrible, evil people that killed my president and are killing, continue to kill us and have killed us and been evil this whole time. It's a lie. This country is a lie. My service to this country was a lie. I was lied to. They murdered my president. Would have been the greatest president in the history of this country. And they murdered him. Because why? Because he wanted to shatter the CIA into a thousand pieces and disperse them. To That's why they killed him. And it was probably LBJ and the CIA. They killed my president. They killed my president's brother, Bobby Kennedy, because Bobby Kennedy was going to look into it. He was going to get to the bottom of it. And will I go one bridge too far? Well, maybe not on this program. But apparently, JFK Jr., apparently, allegedly, went down in a piper going to Martha's Vineyard in the ocean. Apparently, although allegedly 
Hillary Clinton a week before that was challenged on uh, getting any of the Democratic vote because JFK Jr. was going to run in that seat in New York. Remember that, Tom? Mm -hmm. And what she said? I I was pretty young, but I do... I do remember seeing on the. I remember going and getting my mom. I can vivid, I can still see it in my mind's eye, of yeah, uh, it breaking up. I was watching cartoons and I remember it saying, "Yeah, JFK Jr.'s plane went down." Sorry, and JFK Jr. Uh, uh, now I don't, I, you know, I don't want to get into controversial stuff, but you know, Hillary Clinton a week before he was, uh, he was killed. Uh, told his Senate seat, yeah told an individual that's on record as saying she said that she'll take that won't happen that she'll take care of it i don't know so uh, at this point in time uh, i think that it was pure it was prescient it was prophetic that nick and matt put that in there because now we know that in essence this past thursday night the united states government confirmed that they are evil enough to kill my president and they've been hiding it and lying about it for 60 years. Is there any doubt in your mind that they're not lying about this lethal COVID shot? Any doubt? Zero. If there was any doubt up until Thursday when Tucker Carlson broke the story, oh, how could this government be so evil to hurt? Hey, don't be a ne'er-do-well. Evil has always existed. And it always will until Jesus comes back. Evil will hit much like generations. And by the way, what you said is, I don't think that's a bridge too far. I don't think it's conspiratorial. It's, I mean, the, the Clinton body count is an undeniable statistic of people around them that uh, mysteriously die, shoot themselves in the back of the head twice and zip themselves up in a duffel bag. That's not, that's, what are the what are wasn't wasn't LBJ on tape the day before saying I'll never have to deal with those damn Kennedys again after tomorrow? What could that mean? What could that mean, LBJ? But yeah. I mean, I mean they had a they had James G. Sangleton, the chief of counterintelligence, said that JFK was a threat to our country, and they had a five hundred one file on Lee Harvey Oswald starting in nineteen fifty nine. Just yeah. just a coincidence. The highest yeah. level of surveillance. It was just a coincidence. Four years prior. Sent him over to Russia, uh, yeah. Russia, and then brought him back with open arms. Yeah, you, that was all. Uh, that was weird, you know. That was weird that the Secret Service didn't have the uh, the advanced team scout out the path of the president. They never would have gone through Dealey Plaza because they would have pointed to the windows and rightfully said that was just, you know, whatever. But there isn't a re- there is reason to not give up, and it's as you see these things and at first it's shocking and angry but you have to look at what the net result is the net result is more people are waking up to it the more people are becoming aware of it and it serves as it serves as an example to go here's one okay so like um you know 1964 the sr71 blackbird i think that was the first year it flew when mach 3.2 fantastic piece of machinery sexy beautiful whatever yeah I, I met I, I met one of the pilots at the, oh, that's, that's the officers' so cool. training school. Oh, that's so yeah. It's I mean just the uh, uh, sled driver by uh, Brian Shul. That's uh, I mean that's yes. a book. Yeah, that's a book yeah. you got to read. It, it just yeah. so when you know that exists, no one twenty years later in nineteen eighty four 
or 60 years later in 2024, if you saw or heard a sonic boom or track something that was anywhere below, not even, you know, any rational minds could extrapolate and say something over 60 years will eventually go faster. But let's not even go there. Let's just say that somehow you track a sonic boom. You got some amateur whatever and you track it and you see something going Mach 2.8. Okay, yeah, sure. That's almost three times faster than a commercial plane given. But if you did any amount of research into any declassified technology, you'd go, well, I know it's possible because 60 years ago, they were going Mach 3.2, right? So you would, you'd eventually come to that conclusion. When it becomes undeniable that they shot Kennedy in the head, when it becomes undeniable that they removed a democratically elected president of our own country, let alone other countries, that's the CIA's, you know, that's the bread and butter, but removing our own, everything below that threshold of Mach 3.2 is now in your rational rational grasp. So when you go, they wouldn't lie and collude with Pfizer and big tech to roll out a program that's harming people. At the height of the Cold War, they shot a president in the head. When there is a nuclear trigger, if they would do that, anything below Mach 3.2 is on the table. And that's how I look at it, is there is a good to come from this. It's not all nihilism. People are waking up to it, they're going... They're having these quiet conversations and they might not be as bombastic as me and screaming on a microphone on a camera, but there are people who are just going about their everyday life and it may only be an internal monologue, but there are people having those considerations. They're quietly in the shower, going to bed at night, thinking like, wait a second. And that is important. You do need that groundswell and it will eventually, like static electricity, it's going to be, if I get up after this podcast, I go touch that doorknob. I know I'm getting shocked, but like there's a groundswell of static and it does eventually in one final moment, zap, it does happen. There is a groundswell. It's very slow and much like a glacier or a mountain moving. It's hard to perceive, but it's moving slowly and it will culminate. And I don't know, but it will culminate in something. And I'm not ready to give up on. There's a reason why I still have the flag behind me. People always ask me about that. It's because I love for what it I love it for what it stands for. A land where you can say what you want. You're protected against against quartering and you can own a weapon. All right, I'm on board with that. I'm not ready to give up on it just yet. I'm I'm glad you're not. Um I I honor my flag too. I'm sitting there you can't see behind my screen, but I have two flags that were flown for me over the Middle East. Uh, and I have flags behind me. And I've got about 200 challenge coins behind me to the left side of the desk that you can probably see. Mm-hmm. I love this country. And I love the military. And I love the people in this country. It's with really, really great remorse that I've kind of given up on, on where we are after the last election was stolen. I, I, I can't um, I can't come to participate anymore. It's too painful for me to see the purposeful destruction of my country. And I'm gonna fight for my patients right now. Um, yeah, they murdered 
my president, John Fitzgerald Kennedy. They murdered him right in front of my eyes. I'll never forget it. I was 10 years old. I'll never forget it. And they did it right in front of everybody's eyes. They did it in the back of a limousine right next to his beautiful bride, Jackie. They wounded Governor Connolly. It's horrible. They did this purposefully. They blew his brains out right in front of the whole world. Even Khrushchev wasn't that ugly. Castro. It's the United States government that is evil, the CIA. And um, now the CIA has taken over the medical industrial complex. And the medical industrial complex is nothing more than a killing fields that participates with the hospitals, with the CDC, with the FDA, with the Department of Health and Human Services that put out $13 billion of we the people's tax money to falsely, maliciously pay bribe money to 274 different sectors of our society, including the American boards, to push this lethal vaccine. And under the charade of a vaccine, under the charade of safe, effective, and necessary. Tom, it was never any one of those three. Never. And I can prove it. And when these ne'er-do-wells, these people, these physicians, these pastors, all these different sectors that were bribed, now they have blood on their hands. They can't turn around and see the truth. Listen, Pfizer 5.3.6 document. Pfizer tried to hide it for 75 years. I've had copy of that document that was sent to me by a whistleblower in March of 2021. 30 pages, every dot, tittle, comma, and T was crossed. Even the facsimile artifact on those papers were identical to the one that the federal government finally made them release. On what day? April Fool's Day, April 1st, 2022, 14 months after I had been studying those. But I had no way of knowing that they were real. But on April 1st, April Fool's Day, the April Fool's joke on the entire world was put on display, but nobody covered it. On page seven of that document, there were 1,223 people that died after that vaccine in less than 90 days. Tom, I went to medical school in 1974, uh, 1975. In 1975-76, my brother and I were at Wayne State University School of Medicine, Ken Thorpe and Jim Thorpe, and we witnessed the swine flu vaccine. Mm-hmm. Only 26 people died after that injection. A lot of people had some other some 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 people had some other complications, uh, uh, but only 26 people died. That was immediately ripped off the market. So we now fast forward to you know 2020 in December. December 1st, 2020 to February 28th, 2021 there were 1,200 
123 dead people, and they let it go. They didn't even shine a cautionary light. And the data that's come out of VAERS since then, I'm here as God's witness to tell you, it's horrible. And I've been publishing on it for, for almost two years now. It's horrible. So what they have done is such a travesty of justice and science. It's horrible. So they have proof that this vaccine should have been removed immediately from the market in December of 2020. They never did it. In February 28th, 2021, the CDC and the FDA had all that data. They stifled it. They stifled it. And I can show you even more blood curdling, you know, maybe on subsequent podcasts. You know, the all the reproductive toxicology studies were bastardized. They were horrible. I have the data. And they published and put forth false statements. I have the original documents from Sasha Latipova, a pharma, uh, pharmaceutical whistleblower. Those animals that uh, were fetuses in the womb that got their mothers vaccinated with Pfizer and Moderna, they had horrible congenital defects that are the equivalent of lethality in the human realm. If you wanna go look at those pictures, go to my go to my, um, my Getter account, go to my uh, Twitter account, go to my, uh, the other accounts, Truth, or uh, I'm missing one. Yeah, but it's out there. They put out, they broadcast to the world, the American Board of OBGYN, the CDC, the FDA, the American College of OBGYN, the Society of Maternal Field Medicine. Oh, this is necessary for pregnancy. It's safe in pregnancy. It's going to save your life. It's going to save your baby's life. It was all fraud. They're liars. They're killers. They let this poison out to the entire world, pushing it on my patients, women of reproductive age, pregnant women, preborn babies, newborn babies. That's the future of humanity. The future of humanity is in my patients' gametes, my women's, my patients' gametes, their ovaries and their ovum. It's not in men's sperm, okay? Yes, that's important. But men make 20 million sperm an hour. My patients have only 1 million ova that are formed in the womb and after they're formed, before they're born, they irretrievably, they irreversibly die off in a progressive die off called apoptosis beginning after birth. That's the rate limiting factor of the human genome. It's not sperm. The rate limiting factor is the precious few ovum. And they knew back in 2012 that that lethal, toxic nanoparticle, lipid nanoparticle, and its toxic content concentrates in the ovary next to all of the precious human DNA cargo that represents the future of the human genome. This is horrible. This is absolutely horrible. Everybody knows that they should have never rolled that out in my patients.
but yet they did, and they lied. Not only is it horrible, you couldn't in a million years argue that it's accidental. You know, if a plane stray from stray from their, their course all the time, every once in a while you get an incursion into airspace, you're testing the response to the other nation, you know, you always see it in the news, it's a story on the 10th page, Russian fighters escort American bomber and American fighters escort Chinese, it's tit for tat. It'd be one thing if uh you lost you lost uh on nine eleven I think George Bush said it was on nine eleven that I realized just how many crop dusters are in the United States because they didn't have radios and as Air Force One was flying all over the United States they were constantly warned of uh other aircraft that weren't listening to the ground call it was it was Bubba in South Georgia you know dropping dropping chemicals on his on his on his crops. But if you accidentally flew over the White House or the Kremlin or Beijing or Cheyenne Mountain or a nuclear missile silo, that's not accidental. That's very precise, which is what you would do in war to kill your enemy. If it is aggregating in the oval, Is that a crop duster or is that a very specific weapon? Does that, does that imply war? Does that imply something that is going for the late, the rate limiting factor of the human genome? That doesn't, that doesn't mean I know who's doing it, but any rational mind can look at it and say, that's not an accident. That is, that is a target. It's one thing if a bullet, if there's a stray bullet in the city and it hits three floors above me and hits a piece of brick, hey, it's kind of scary. It's another thing if I'm looking at a bulletproof window and a crack appears right in front of my forehead. Then you go, huh, I think, I think there's something coming for me. When this toxic thing hits this precious point of failure, if you look at the human genome and the human creation, if it's at a point of failure, when we would bomb German tank factories, it's because we realized, hey, it's easier to take out the factory than it is to take out every tank. Why were we doing that? To defeat the Germans. Why were we defeating the Germans? Because we were at war. So if something is happening, if a weapon is hitting a factory, of the most important point of failure, you can't tell me that's not war. You can't tell me that is not an act against all that is human and everything it stands for, a, a nuclear family celebrating your holiday, you know, your your respective religion, your your highs, your lows, your bonfires, the first time you get drunk and throw up, the first time your dad yells at you, the first time you fall in love, the, you know, a snowstorm or a sunburn or seeing your favorite band or getting into college or getting caught lying, everything. The beauty of having a blanket. It is a it is a war against all things human. And I and I really I can't look you in the eye and tell you my name is Ashley, because it's not. 
it's Tommy. I can't, I can't lie about that. I just, I couldn't even pretend to lie about it. I could maybe trick you and say my name's like Tim, not Tom. But so, I can't. Uh, do, you think, do you think that, like, when you, if you tell me that your name is Ashley, do you think that I, uh, is it a loving response for me to play a, along with your delusion and call you Ashley? No, you're complicit in my own mental illness. Okay. Yeah. No, then that's, and that, that's a whole other rabbit hole for another time. But my point is this. I can't look you in the eyes, lay out everything I know from every experience I've had, extrapolate all of it, and then say, it's a coincidence that this highly experimental, highly deleterious mRNA vaccine is coalescing at that rate-limiting point of failure. It's not even that it's coalescing, but it's neutral. You know, it's like a fluorescent protein. It is a highly toxic lipid nanoparticle that directly results in termination or reduction in fertility. That's what more of a fingerprint do you want that that's what this is? And obviously I speak for myself. I'm not putting words in your mouth, but that's, that's where my conclusion leads to. And I can't, I can't look you in the eye and tell you that's not what I think it is. Well, Tom, I, 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 I must tell you that, um, I can't argue with your conclusion. Um, I can't argue with it. I I don't I don't want to defend my physician colleagues, but um, you know I was with Stu Peters and also Steve Kirsch, and I know that Steve Kirsch and Steve, Stu Peters have a little bit of a disagreement on on whether or not they believe that the physicians are actually in on it. And um, I, I have to agree with Steve Kirsch on that. I do agree with you that um, it's too coincidental. I, I, I try not to comment a lot uh, on stuff that I don't know absolutely 100% for sure. And I try not to comment on people's motives uh, in their heart, because only God knows that. But I think you're right. I, I do, I, I'm, I don't think uh, I would take opposition to uh, Stu. I love Stu Peters, and I think he's an incredible journalist. But I, I don't think, uh, I agree with Steve Kirsch that uh, knowing my physician colleagues, yes, there's some of them that do deserve to be destroyed with civil and, lit, uh, and, and criminal litigation or put in jail uh, and, and maybe even sentenced, maybe sentenced to death. Um, yes, some of them. But the vast majority, uh, these are people that um, they have gotten caught in a trap mm -hmm. and there's no way out. They can't back out. I look at it as like four different levels of cognitive dissonance. You know, the, every single one of them are almost irreversible. The first one is the first shot to yourself. You know, yeah. you go down that rabbit hole, the next level, hierarchical level of cognitive dissonance is, I'm going to push the shot on my primary family members. Oh, shit. I guess yeah. I better because I did it. Otherwise, yeah. I'll look like a fool. So that's the second level of cognitive dissonance. The third level of cognitive dissonance, I'm going to push the vaccine on everybody of my friends. That's a huge level. And finally, what's the fourth level of cognitive dissonance? Push it on my patients and 
I get to continue to be in good standing with my employer and get my bride paycheck. Now, after you have transgressed those four levels of cognitive dissonance, you, you can't undo them because if you try to undo them, you open yourself up to civil litigation. Um, and I've talked to some very, very brilliant um, psychiatrists, like for example, uh, just a couple of them. Well, one of them, Peter Bregan, he won't mind me shouting him out. He tells me that only 1% of human beings have the ability to do that, to actually do an academic metanoia, if you will, to look at new data and say, hey, I was wrong. I was wrong. I made a mistake and I really apologize. Now, I've done that before in my career publicly because I pushed vaccines before and I, you know, I didn't get awakened. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. I didn't get awakened. You know, uh, it, it was uh, two, two or three key people in my life that kind of awakened me because I was, I was deep, deep, deep into the medical industrial complex, not in a bad way, but just being blinded. To sure sins that they they committed for money but you know it's um uh, rfk jr uh children's health defense um their book their literature the movie that he did um about the way the pharmaceutical companies sterilized um, millions of young beautiful women in africa you know and i i i looked at all the data i looked at the African doctors and looked at all of the studies that were published by the pharmaceutical industry to develop that sterilizing vaccine. And, and they were right. Um, Dr. Andy Wakefield and uh, uh, RFK, uh, my older brother, my oldest daughter, those, those people really put the bug in my ear about, hey, this is not right. Something is not adding up here. And that, that was long about 2010. But I I acknowledge and I thank uh, Dr. Andy Wakefield and uh, Counselor Robert uh, Fitzgerald Kennedy uh, Jr. for um, their brilliant people. And they've taken so much flack and so many people attacking them for them publishing the truth. So, you know, that that's that's truth. And, and it's hard to overcome truth. It's hard to make that bend. You know, this Dr. Asim Mahaltra, mm -hmm. And over in the United States, he's a hero. And Steve Kirsch is a hero. You know, it's 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 not just Peter McCullough and and Pierre Corey and Lee Merrick and all these greats, and they are heroes. Uh, but but you know, we want to open these people. We want to welcome these people with open arms, like Asim Mahaltra, because this was a child. This is a young, incredibly uh, handsome young cardiologist. Uh, Notor uh, very famous over in United Kingdom, and, and he, he was a poster boy for pushing the vaccine. And he, undoubtedly, he's killed a lot of people and maimed a lot of people, but he publicly apologized. He did an academic metanoia that most people can't do. Steve Kirsch did that. These are people that deserve to be crowned, <laughs> literally. These are kings and queens that have the ability to do this. It's to go back to what you said. I, uh, <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think this is every doctor is in on it. I think the vast majority of people are. It's not that they're in on it, or even that they turn the other. I, th I think a lot of them are just 
you grind nonstop in college to get into medical school, medical school, residency, residency, fellowship, you go become practicing your public. You're just, and there's another level of cognitive dissonance because you would then have to go, wait, is the FDA and the CDC and everything I've been taught, is that a lie? And it's, and you're asking people to throw out a lot. You're asking me to go, Tommy, guess what? The earth is not round. Hey man, that's a, that's a small order or that's not a small order. You're asking me to throw out everything I acknowledge. You're saying that my name isn't Tommy. You, it is, I don't, I don't fault people for having the wool pulled over your eyes, but by definition, you've been tricked. I've been tricked. I'm, this podcast has forced me more than anything unintentionally. It's probably the best thing about it is it forces me to look back every year, two years. And I look back at things I was saying on a podcast and I go, I can't believe I believed that. But I have a rule with myself and I will never take down an episode unless the guest asks. But I'll look back at an episode of me talking about something and I'll be like, oh, my God. But I leave it up there because it reminds me that whatever I'm saying today, December 18th, 2022, in two years, you and I might be on this podcast going, do you remember when we said that and like how wrong we were? Or it might be like we had no idea how right we were. It's But what you have to look at is. Am I pursuing the truth? Do I, and it's not easy, but you, yes, the metanoia, it is a, or a less formal way. You, you have, you have to kick your ego in the nuts. You got to go, Hey buddy, you were wrong. You're nobody likes it. You're a hard head. You, you don't get into medical school without being a bit of an, an, an a hard head, right? You got to think you're the best because that's what pushes you forward. It's not fun getting a question wrong on OCAM and you think you're right. And then as you're arguing with the professor, it starts to dawn on you that you're wrong. Hey man. That's not a good feeling when you go, oh, my, I was wrong. But you either have to go through that pain of going, I was wrong, or you then act on that incorrectness and you never verify it and you never come to terms with it. What that then does is it ripples outwards. And much like if you don't set the foundation for a skyscraper correct and go, oh, man, we have to dig up all these girders and replace it. Or... 10 years down the road, you see the skyscrapers leaning and then you're sued and best case scenario, you're sued. It might collapse and kill a thousand people. It, it, in the, the HBO series about um, Chernobyl, I don't even know if it's a real line, but I like it because every lie we tell incurs a debt of truth. And that debt has an interest. And eventually it's not one for one. You tell a lie now, but wait, you're, you're going to pay it back tenfold. And, you know, like I've 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 had the honor of interviewing Steve Kirsch, uh, Dr. Merrick, McCullough, Urso, all of them. And I think the best biggest example is probably Dr. Ken Alabek. He was the head of the Soviet Union bioweapon program. And he was told as a physician, well, one, he was told at gunpoint, you're gonna lead this and you don't say no in the Soviet Union. But he also believed it because the higher ups in the KGB told him. They said, you know, he said the Americans said they they destroyed their bio biological weapons. And the higher up said, of course, they said that they're lying to you. We have to do this. And once he finally realized that the United States did destroy their bioweapons, he had his own cognitive dissonance that he had to wrestle with. And it took him a long time when he finally realized, I've been doing the wrong thing. You know, he's affected the United States and he's a beautiful soul. He Now he researches autism. He's a wonderful, he's an angel of a human being. What's but his my name? Dr. Ken Alabek. He wrote the book Biohazard. He was the first deputy director of Biopreparat, which was the bioweapons, uh, putting Ebola and cruise missile, wild stuff. Um, but again and again, 
you do see this. So my, my point of all of this is I don't I don't fault doctors who were just going about their day, just doing the, the next thing. I get it. It's 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 a rat race. It truly is the rat race. Like I don't, you know, I, I don't I don't think I'm a bad person, but I'm sure I've done things that I look back on and I realize I'm wrong. And that is where I, yeah, I would agree with you. I would have to agree with with Steve Kirsch is that yeah, you don't need everyone in on it. The vast majority of people working on the Manhattan Project had no idea they were working on the Manhattan Project. They didn't That's a great know. analogy. Great they analogy, Tom. They were in. They were part of the electrical. I mean, ten percent of the nation's power grid went to developing the hydrogen bomb after World War II. They didn't know what they were doing. They, what do you do? I've, I've worked on a capacitor plant in Tennessee. Why? Because it pays. What? What do you? I had no idea it's creating the H bomb. You know, that's not a bad thing. That's someone going about their life. When you do realize you're part of it, however, the burden now is on you, and it. It's not a fun one where you got to go, I was wrong. But much like admitting to a lie or admitting you were wrong, there is a catharsis. The The water, the cleansing water of forgiveness washes. The weights come off your shoulders. You go, that was me. I, 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 I ate your taco. I was drunk. I came home from the bar. I ate your leftovers in the fridge. I'm sorry, dude. And your friend goes, that sucks. You owe me $20. And you go, okay, I'm sorry. But you move forward. You know that's a that's a brilliant analogy. I, uh, you're 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 a very gifted, eloquent communicator, Tom. Thank you. I, it's really really good. I like that. Before you went on that um, brilliant example, I I was going to say, and and you said this much more eloquently than I could have, is that in my own personal experience, what what I tried to model to my daughters and and you know i wasn't the perfect father the perfect husband i i try to be but i it's there's something so beautiful spiritually cleansing and lightening about me saying to you tommy i really made a mistake i was dead wrong will you forgive me and i i've done this publicly i've tried it i've done it i've done it several times to my daughters why because in, in my young medical, my daughters or my, the younger people that I'm trying to mentor, uh, medical students, residents, young physicians, it takes a huge onus. They look up to me and it's like, oh, this guy knows everything. No, I don't. I'm a screw up just like the rest of the human race. I'm a sinner. I make mistakes. I'm allowed, I demand to be allowed to be a human being and to make a mistake. I made a mistake. I'm wrong. Will you forgive me? I'm gonna do better. I mean. Oh, just like you said, it's it's so beautiful. It's like, yeah, okay, I made a mistake. Yeah. Oh, it's the best. There's no better feeling than when like you pay off a debt and interest, and you feel that sting, and you're like, "But I did." There's no better feeling than when you fail a test early on a semester, and you work your ass off, and you get better, and you pass the. You're like. There's no better feeling than when you call your mom or dad or someone you just apologize. I haven't talked to you, you Bob, in three years, but hey, man, that, I was wrong. I was an ass, and I'm, you know, I'm sorry, and I know our lives have diverged, but I just wanted to say I'm sorry. And they go, yeah, dude, it's all right. I appreciate it. Oh, it's like, I mean, it's like getting a massage or leaving a sauna. You're like, oh, life is good. And of course, yeah, you're in a human body. You're allowed to be human. All right. It's okay. But that also means 
that's not just a blank check. It also means, oh, I was wrong. And that is what we have to do. And that's okay. And it's, it's, it's a hard, it's not fun. But it also allows you to start seeing that in others. When you see, when you see something, someone do something else. And you go, is that guy a demon working for the World Economic Forum? Or is that a young doctor who's married with a kid on the way and he was just going about his life and he was told to recommend the vaccine and he doesn't care, he's an orthopedic surgeon, so he recommends it. Huh, maybe that's just another guy who hasn't yet or has and is still mulling it over thinking about maybe he was wrong. And if I can't understand my own past and look at, hey, I'm not a bad guy. I've made mistakes and I've grown and I've admitted to those mistakes. If you can't extend that forgiveness to someone else, then you can't you can't extend it to yourself. So when you see someone else do something, hey, if I'm not willing to forgive him, how in God's name can I expect anyone to forgive me? And again, it's not a blank check. It doesn't mean that you can just go and you know commit atrocities and say, sorry, no, but... If you see someone pushing something, are they a foot soldier and are they trying to kill people? Or are they a young, terrified guy who's still got half a million dollars of medical school debts and he hasn't looked twice into it because he's in residency. He's sleeping three hours a night. And someone said, hey, uh, you got to get the vaccine or you're fired. And he went, what? Yeah, sure. Give it to me. You go about your. That happens, too. I would say the vast majority of it is that. But. When you realize it's going on. Now it is it is your responsibility to speak up. And that's, if I can have that realization, if you can have that realization, and then there's no reason why everyone can't have that realization. And that is, that's why I'm not giving up. And also, uh, screw these people. They're evil. They're, they're evil. Can, can you imagine having to look your ancestors, your thousand generations before you, the with the the saber toothed tigers they've killed with their bare hands, the Nazis. I mean, my great uncle literally killing Nazis and taking their daggers. And then when I die, I gotta go in the afterlife, and they go, "What killed you?" And I went, "Well, actually, no one killed me. I just I died of old age because I didn't wanna, I didn't wanna fight the evil power structure. Who's the evil power structure? Uh, he was a five foot nothing, uh, spineless, ballless man named named Fauci." Can you imagine them just looking at you? Can you imagine like a general Patton just looking at you and saying, you did what? <laughs> like, good yeah. Lord. I mean, truly, I'm, I can't. How, how were they fighting? Were they coming over in, in tiger tanks? Well, actually, no. What they did is they uh, they used a puppet named Elmo, and uh, they said, get your vaccine. Well, what happened when you questioned it? Were you were you thrown in a gas chamber? No, I was I was banned from a, uh, from a website called... Called Facebook. Son, what? I just imagine an Eisenhower just right in the face and me saying, thank you, sir. May I have another? But even though all that implies that I would be in the same afterlife of them, I wouldn't. I'd be in hell because I knowingly turned the other way. So we're coming up at 6 p.m. Unfortunately, we got to wrap this one up because I got another doctor coming on right now. But Dr. Thorpe, Absolutely a blessing to have you on here. Uh, I, I feel I feel like I have known you in a past life, and um, I, I I really can truly say I, I love you, man. This has been a beautiful, 
a beautiful experience. It's uh, been inspiring. Uh, our talk before the podcast started was inspiring in answer to prayers. And I uh, just wanted to say thank you. I love you too, brother. And I'm going to close with uh, what the prophet uh, Hosea said in chapter 4, verses 5, which is what you and I are doing right now. God spoke to his prophet and said, Hosea chapter 4, verse 5, my people are being destroyed for lack of knowledge. Amen. Amen. It's are we in the battle of the bulge? No, Tommy, you got to upload a podcast and talk about <laughs> vaccine injuries. Grab your nuts, son. Stand up straight. All right. <laughs> Dr. Thorpe, again, I love you, man. Thank you so much. Beautiful. I'll text you the episode when it's up. We, You don't have a choice. You're coming on again. Next I one, will. I'll text you. We'll get it together. Yeah. And uh, Love you too, brother. Thank you, sir. Love. God bless everybody. Stay